Welcome back to the Allegheny CareerCast. In this episode, I sit down with Chris Hopper for another discussion about the Salesforce job market. Chris shares his insights on the job hunt from a recruiter's perspective and what you can do if you're in the hunt. If you prefer the video version of this episode, check out Allegheny CareerCast YouTube channel. Chris, thanks for joining the show again. It's good to have you back on the, um, well, name change since I talked to you last because you were like the third person I spoke to. So it's Allegheny CareerCast now. So (laughs) you could say it's the first time you're on the show. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks a lot again for for having me, Franklin. It's always great to to speak with you. I love having, uh, being part of each other's network and being able to share my thoughts and opinions on the job market and be able to answer questions that you or your audience may have. Yeah, they new year, new problems. Um, you know, we're in a recession and no one's hiring, people are getting laid off. Like this is right up your alley. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I'm I'm and I'm happy to talk about what I'm seeing. You know, for your audience, I'm just a small recruiter in the big scheme of things. Um, you know, I'm I i do not we don't have a big global organization. I work for a small company called Peerstaff that's Houston based. Or less than 10 people between our back office and our recruiters and our sales staff. So, but, you know, I feel like I can share a little bit about what I'm seeing in the industry and, and uh, things have definitely changed over the last four or five months. Um, you know, I was starting to see a little bit of a slowdown towards the holiday period, Thanksgiving hitting and then Christmas and New Year's. And I thought maybe it was just because of uh, the year end and people taking vacations and a lot of hiring happening. And then, here we are almost the middle of March and things still haven't really picked up to where we were expecting them to, at least from our point of view. I'm still seeing layoffs in the industry. I saw Salesforce had another round, I think even today or this week, I saw a couple of people hit my LinkedIn feed showing additional layoffs happening. So definitely some uh, interesting times, some turbulent times right now in the industry. Um, what I'm also seeing is just the amount of time it's taking for decision makers to make the hires as well for the handful of positions that I'm recruiting on, uh, it just seems to take longer. Usually we get through the hiring process in two, three, three and a half weeks. Now it's taking sometimes six plus weeks for companies to make decisions. So not only is our order flow down from a recruiting perspective, but we're also seeing an elongated life cycle when it comes to taking candidates from the initial stages of, of resume submissions to first round interviews to second round interviews and then finally getting an offer on the table to them. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Um, the other day when we we spoke, we you know I was telling you about a friend of mine that's in this similar situation. It's like, right. At a certain point, and I think this is a key thing for newcomers to understand. Yeah. At a certain point, it's completely out of your control. That's right. You can't right. follow up enough. You can't check back in. Like it's you're just at some point you're just gonna have to sit and wait. And to your point, given the I guess where we are as a country right now, mm-hmm. it's taking six weeks, possibly. Yeah. So uh that's why don't quit your day. Don't quit your day job. Like, That's right. Uh, hang on. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, you know, as a recruiter, we're following up as well on your behalf. Like we're trying to get a status of what's happening and we get ghosts a lot. Even if I, it's interesting because some of the relationships that I have and even my counterpart has with 
longstanding customers, we're just getting stalled out on, right? I mean, we're following up, we're sending, we're calling, we're texting, we're sending emails. We're, phys- we're almost physically feeling like we have to go to someone's front door to get a status of where we are with the hiring because we're just kind of getting stonewalled here, so to speak, a lot of times as far as not getting any decisions made or any feedback for us in the recruiting process, which is, you know, sometimes unusual for us. Like for new relationships, we don't really understand. We don't always talk on the same level with the with the hiring manager or we're kind of new. So we kind of get pushed to the side. But even for existing relationships that we work with the partners for 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 years, um, they either have other priorities or they just don't have feedback from us or they're just kind of sitting in this no man's zone right now um, before we're getting feedback as far as what the next steps are. If they want to move forward with the candidate, if we need to go back to the uh, the candidate pool to find somebody else. Um, so it's a little frustrating from an external recruiting standpoint, as, as well as you as a job candidate, because you're kind of left, you know, you're almost one level removed from where we are. Like we're usually the, the point of interfacing on your behalf. And if you're using an external recruiter, but even we're not getting the feedback that we need to be able to relay that back to you. And I know it's equally as frustrating as you as a job candidate, when you're not using an external recruiter, you're working directly with HR or the hiring manager or whoever it is internally with the company and not getting any feedback. It just gets very, very frustrating. But to your point, Frank, as far as, you know, not quitting your day job, trying to stay preoccupied on other things, whether it's personal projects or doing some, um, you know, side businesses or working part time somewhere, or you just got to keep your mind off of just the waiting game because I think it can drive you insane uh, for you sitting there and, and 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 waiting for a particular company to get back to you. And, you know, and the other thing I always advise is continue to apply for other positions, right? So continue to make sure you have multiple irons in the fire, so to speak. So you're not just waiting for that one company to get back to you because you have no idea what's going to happen there. Uh, recently, I don't know if you know this, but they just came out with Trailhead Coach. Uh, yeah. I believe it's live. Uh, which seems like it opened up doors in the sense that you know you can get vouchers for your certification, things like that. I think long term, like not really long term, but how do you see it just getting oversaturated? Like when I mean, even back when I first got into this, it was like the end of 2018. Like the admin cert was relatively like the key to get in the door you get an admin cert it's like uh this will give this person a real shot yeah um and you know none of my comments are supposed to be negative right it's just we're just talking about it reality if once the admin search becomes more accessible right so removing the 200 dollars fee whereas before you know you have 10 people say hey you know, I'd like this job. One of them has a cert, three of them. Like you're really only competing with three people. Now you're competing with 10. That's right. Um, where do you see, does that have an effect on things? Like what's your opinion opinion on that? Yeah. That's a great question, Frank. I I think it does because, and and no fault to those that are putting out the job programs, right? The, the different um, boot camps that are out there to get people certified and get them trained in Salesforce because of, the demand of Salesforce jobs and what it is. But when we have thousands coming in that are all getting certified, one of the challenges that HR and companies have is when they post a position for an entry level and they see an influx of 200 resumes that are all the same thing almost, right? 
Salesforce admin certified, Trailhead Ranger, some super badges. They have no idea what to do at that point, is my opinion, is because, you know, we got 100 resumes here, just different names and a little bit of other different industry backgrounds. But if they're new to the Salesforce job market, what is distinguishing one person from the other? And the one thing I always advise on is you got to think outside of those parameters. And it's your, it's your one is maybe your, your industry background that you've had that may be a distinguisher for you your personal projects that you put out there, your digital portfolio. You got to look outside of just what's the commodity of Salesforce job market, which is what everyone has access to, right? Whether it's this Trailhead coach now or the hire me button that Trailhead offers now or the certifications and the Trailhead badges. Unfortunately, if everyone has access to those and now the, the cost structure has been reduced dramatically, you know that's going to cause more of an influx, I think, of people trying to get into it but um, I think it's going to make, make it more challenging, to your point, nowadays over the last, say, six, eight, 12 months versus years in the past. Yeah, I was ta- talking to my wife. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I would imagine recruiters and companies, they get resume fatigue. You know, to your, you get a 200 resumes. I mean, you get to resume 62, you're like, looks good, but we'll take it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. They get resume fatigued. Recruiters get resume fatigued, right? I don't really get that many entry-level positions. But when I do, there's no shortage of candidates that would apply, right? I don't post positions on on LinkedIn or the job boards. I usually go outbound for all my recruiting. It's just an easier conversation to have versus having to filter through hundreds of resumes when we post something. Um, but yeah, no, the hiring managers, the talent acquisition departments, HR, you know, I think they throw their arms up and like, you know, what do we do for, <laughs> and, you, and that's when they say, well, let's look for a, a referral route. You know, they even probably shut down the whole intake process when it comes to using LinkedIn job boards, because it's not really providing any value to the process. And they're probably looking at how to pivot and look at, you know, a referral program or look at other people that they may have worked with in the past or asking the hiring manager or look at their people that they know and kind of using that internal networking avenue instead of just the, the job board setup that is just becoming. And now it's even worse because of all the people that have currently been laid off or without jobs. And you go to any, almost any position nowadays and see that there's been hundreds of applicants that have applied for a position. And sometimes companies even flag it, say, we're no longer taking any additional resumes for this role because we've gotten so many that we have to filter through based on us posting it the last, you know, two days ago. Um, you know, higher echelon is like, we're hiring. We're a smaller compared to Salesforce, the company itself, or, you know, these bigger firms like Accenture or whatnot, yeah. they might not be hiring, but these smaller firms are. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, you got to put in, at some point, you, the job seeker need to put in the work and find these um little nuggets right companies that are yeah i feel like people post on linkedin and like salesforce laid off three thousand people and there's like well uh, i might as well not even try because salesforce is laying off why would anybody else was like that's you can't take that that's right that's that right with a grain of salt right and if you look at how many they hired during the yeah, exactly. pandemic post-pandemic isn't you know it's it's four or five times that, right? So just because you see 
what appears to be a large number, whether it's with Salesforce or Twitter or anybody in big tech, they're still ahead, right? They're still more, they made more hires over the flat past few years than they have with layoffs. So we you know, kind of look at things only one-sided of the equation when you hear about these big tech firms laying off people. But you know, from a net new perspective, they're still higher, made more hires than, than layoffs over time. Um, I think sometimes we take that, we don't take that in consideration when we're looking at just the number of layoffs that have occurred from a pure statistical perspective. Can you explain 1099 employees? Sure. Those are, yeah, because yeah. I, I'm not going to sit here and be like, I know fully to me in my head. I just, that's freelance. So, you yeah. know, contract, somebody comes on for three months versus a full-time employee. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Could exactly. you break that down? Yeah. So uh, from a peer staff perspective, right. So we are a staffing and recruiting agency, right? So we have kind of two different ways that we're in business. One is, direct placement, right? So we get paid a fee based on an individual salary when a company hires us to recruit on their behalf for a full-time placement to be a full-time W-2 employee with that particular client. The other option is if we have customers who just want to hire a contractor, right? Or, or a contractor hire, depends on what they're looking to do long-term. But if it's just a contractor, then we end up taking that individual on our paperwork uh, from a peer staff perspective, and we have three different flavors, actually four different flavors of how we can do that. One, you have W-2 benefited, means that you're an employee and peer staff. We offer medical, dental, 401k, and just kind of, you would just be a normal employee with us, just like you would be for the company that you're doing work with. Or we have W-2 unbenefited, which means that we just take out the income tax on your behalf, and then you don't, ha- you don't deal with any of the benefits. You make a little bit more on the hourly side if you're unbenefited versus benefited. Then we get into 1099, which is another layer, whereas that's straight just hourly rate times your hours worked, right? So it's just a pass-through. You have to be a, a 1099 independent contractor, right? And we send you a 1099 at the end of the year. Um, that's why it's called 1099, because we send you the paperwork at the end of the year for you to file your own taxes on your behalf. And you're, you know, all we're responsible for is paying you whatever the hours are that you report on your timesheet for this particular customer times whatever your hourly rate is then we're paying you that amount of money on a weekly, bi-weekly basis, depends on how the terms are set up. Then the last level is corp to corp, right? Corporation to corporation, C to C is another way to put it. And usually that happens when you have your own LLC set up, right? Your own limited liability company. And so that's a little bit more paperwork involved in that process, but you essentially have your own company, you partner with us as a company, and then we're partnering with the end client. So we're really the the broker or the, the middleman in the setup when it comes to any of these type of setups when you're doing contract work through Empire staff. And the way we make money on the hourly side is that, you know, whatever your hourly rate is, we have our markup on that. And it's a little bit different depending on how we're carrying you. If the markup is for you want to be a W-2 benefited employee with us, our costs are a lot more because we're paying for your medical, we're paying for your dental, we're paying for your 401k, we're taking a tax on your behalf. And so we charge the customer more and paying you a little bit less on the W-2 benefited side versus going the 1099 or C2C route because our overhead is a lot less in those cases because we don't have the additional premium of the benefits that we have to offer you in those cases. Um, But you can be a full-time 1099 contractor. You can be a part-time 1099 contractor. Um, You know, there's some additional 
reasons why you want to go maybe uh, uh, set up your own LLC, for example. There's some additional tax benefits that you can use to help write off expenses. And you can do the same thing with 1099, but a lot of times LLC shields you from, um, from a liability standpoint versus a 1099 contractor, but there's more overhead and there's more tax paperwork. There's more filing that goes on with being a, an LLC uh, versus 1099. It kind of flows down to your own personal uh, 1040 when it comes to income tax. So I could create an LLC, Frank's Consulting, be a yeah. one-man company yeah. and apply for a, say there's a job posting for, you know, we want a 1099. Would it be on the job posting? Like this isn't a full-time, this is 1099? So with LinkedIn specifically, I think there's a checkbox. If, you, if you're looking for contract work versus full-time, so you would check contract work. I don't think LinkedIn, LinkedIn traditionally is primarily used for full-time placement, for full-time positions. Okay. Uh, Indeed or Dice, or a few other the job boards out there are more geared towards um, contract placement. Maybe not so much Indeed, but I know Dice is where we go when we're looking for a contractor. And so those uh, that particular job board is where you would look for contract positions or you would post your resume to have companies find you as a 1099 independent contractor. And then once you get to a certain point, you know, like pay my LLC, not me directly. That's right. That's, again, that just goes back to paperwork. But in exactly. overall, you can have your LLC be the only employee, but to your point for tax purposes and things like that. Yeah. You know, technically you're still getting paid. Right. That's right. So, right. So I used to be, I used to have my own Hopper Consulting LLC when I left Accenture and when an independent contractor being a solution architect. And so the company would just pay Hopper Consulting. I became a W-2 employee of Hopper Consulting. So Hopper Consulting makes X. Uh, Chris Hopper as an W-2 employee makes Y. The company pays my benefits on my behalf, um, covers my travel reimbursement and per diem and things like that because I was on the road a lot. And then there's um, a little profit made for the company because I need to have some money in reserves because if I'm out of projects, right, I'm on the bench, I still want to get paid, right? So me as an employee still want to be in a paycheck. And so Hopper Consulting ideally would have some reserves and not pay everything out to me as a W-2 employee. So I can stay, I'm still collecting a paycheck from Hopper Consulting during the times where I'm actually not working. Right. So that's something to keep in mind if you're going the independent contractor route that, you know, you don't want everything to flow down to you as an employee because there's going to be, you know, with independent consulting, you have peaks and valleys when it comes to contract work, especially, you know, Salesforce, you know, you may have a project for six weeks or six months. Right. But if it's for six weeks and then you're out looking again, you may have a delay of another month or so in between projects where you need to look for your next page. I look for you looking for your next project, you're also getting paid by your LLC so you can continue to pay your bills and whatever you need to do. Is that how current, like, I guess, consulting companies kind of got their start? You know, somebody is skilled in Salesforce, they create an LLC, they do some contract work, they get kind of a reputation, bring, yeah. hey, yeah, they find somebody, hey, like, you want to come, quote unquote, work for my That's right. consulting, now I yeah. have two employees, and then exactly. over over years, you have like 25 Salesforce people. Yeah. And you can either bring on those employees as W-2, right? W-2 employees for you, or you can bring them on as 1099 contractors if you not need to have that set up. You know, the, the, thing, the challenge that comes into play though, Frank, when you're, when you're running a business like that is the people that you employ 
just like you're employing yourself, are going to want to get a paycheck regardless of them working or not on a project, right? So right. that's you know you got to make sure your 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 billables are high enough that you're covering the bench time that an employee might have of your L- of your LLC because you know it's not really their fault that you don't have them deployed on a project. It's really you as the right. business owner or your sales team that you're not bringing in additional projects for them to be able to work on. So that's kind of the risk reward with it. I never wanted to have additional employees work for, for me. I wanted to just be a independent contractor and find my own work and not have to worry about that. It just was additional overhead that I was really just more zoned in on doing delivery and not having to have the, of the additional overhead of worrying about other employees working for me. But it can definitely be a, a revenue making situation and how a lot of companies have started out as a, I have a customer out in California who was independent LLC and his reputation grew and the business grew and he couldn't get on all the work himself. So he decided to bring on additional delivery and sales and marketing and consultants. And now he's got a 15, 20 person uh, Salesforce system integrating uh, company and partnership. That's Oh man, th- thanks for sharing. I think a lot of people get into well, maybe not or not. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> I think like long term, it's like what can, what can you turn your skill set into yeah. at some yeah. point, right? You know, a lot of people that I would assume you know you do this for fifteen years. You look around, you're like, well, I mean, I could I can do the work that we're contracted out to do or we're hired for. So yeah. I think it helps people that you know what can you do with Salesforce? Well get in, you learn to learn it. And I guess this applies across any career field, right? You, know, you learn it and start taking on work yourself. Um, yeah. Would there be something, let's say the current company I work for, yeah. let's say I create an LLC mm-hmm. and we compete for the same job. Like would I have signed something when I first got hired? Is that common? Most likely like, you probably signed a not and uh, not compete with your current well, employer saying that if you were to leave, you couldn't work with any past or present clients of theirs, right? There's sometimes loopholes in that, right? Sometimes your employer, if you're, you know, I've been in situations where the your employer lets you go and they want to keep the reputation with their current client and the client wanted to bring you on as an independent contractor. So you're able to leave your current employer back around go and be an independent contractor back to that company and your current employer was was okay with that because they felt like there was enough work for the other consultants that were working there and the relationship was still intact and they didn't really care about losing one person because they felt like it's going to continue to build that relationship with the customer so there's sometimes those situations now it's not always that way sometimes it can get rocky and sometimes they can throw the law book at you as far as the non-compete goes um so it's kind of case-by-case basis Yeah, I'm, I would imagine people would throw the law book at out there pretty quick, especially if you take a big chunk of it. You know, a lot of this, a lot of work is you know building relationships with the customer. So, yeah, I yeah. mean, it's a double-edged sword. I guess you could look at it if you do want to go out on your own. Um, yeah, or the company could hire you directly too. Right, the client could say, "Well, you know, Frank is looking to make a change, and we love his work." The project's coming to an end. We just want to hire him directly. And then there's sometimes negotiation happens between your current employer and the end client to be able to release you to work for that. Not necessarily as an independent contractor necessarily, but also as a full-time employee. So there's all these different kind of 
loopholes and situations that we run into uh, when it comes to employees and contracting and consulting and all that. Yeah, tying this back into, you know, what kicked off the conversation was, you know, the job market. Um, you talked about keeping busy, you know, if you're yeah. at a standstill, like some of this stuff is you can look into, like, do I want to be a contractor at some point? Do I need to change my parameters of like the jobs I'm looking for? So um, a lot of good stuff, you know, this is goes from the newcomer who's just getting into Salesforce to somebody that's 15 years in that got laid off. And now they're like, you know, I've been a full-time employee my whole life. Like, I don't know anything else. You know, there's, yeah. there's options out there. Um, yeah. One thing that, you know, when I was with Accenture and I had thought about doing independent consulting for a while while I was with them, and I was seeing independent contractors come in and making more than I looks. I was I was a manager, right? So I was seeing the bill rates that these guys what they were making. I'm like, so they're working a nine to five, 40 hours a week. Here I am working 60 plus hours, and they're making more money and doing less work. <laughs> it wasn't really adding up in my mind at the time. Uh, you know, I was in my early 30s, and so I was just kind of looking at the dollar signs. Um and then I hit the recession of 2008, where Accenture was actually wanting people to, uh, it's called a uh, temporary um, separation or voluntary separation. They're saying, hey, we don't have enough work. If you want to leave on your own, we're offering a good decent severance package based on how many years you work for us. There's a good um, bonus tied to it. I was like, well, that might be my my break to be able to leave consulting and go to independent route. And I thought it was going to be easy. I thought it was going to be an easy to step stone into independent consulting. And it was really hit on the side of the head pretty hard when I realized that it wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be to become an independent contractor. Um, I thought I saw all these positions out on the different job boards. I'm like, there's thousands of positions out there. I'm sure I'm qualified for these roles. And sure enough, they're either full-time or they're going through um, a, a recruiting agency that was paying 10 cents on a dollar, charging, you know, paying me 25 bucks an hour, charging the client 150. I was like, that's not what I'm looking to do either. So, you know, there's definitely some some challenges going the independent route. Um, so I was heads down networking with my past network and looking for people who could potentially get my name and resume in front of their employer if they're looking for an independent contractor. And after about three, three and a half months, I was able to use my connections and get started again, get started really as an independent contractor. And then from there, it was just like one contract after another, after another for a good seven or eight years as far as building relationships and kind of putting a sales hat on while I was doing it. But it wasn't, you know, it's not easy for sure. I mean, it's really it can be stressful at times when you can't find a project and you're looking for your next paycheck and um, getting told no a lot, or you're just not even, you're getting looked over or you're just getting talking to the wrong agencies and, and, and staffing companies that aren't really a good partner for you. Well, I think one of the benefits you know, going back into the companies that you're applying for or looking at, you know, maybe one of the benefits for getting in at a small company is if you bring them work, maybe you get a piece of that. For uh, sure. For sure. Is that, have you come across that? Um, yeah. I can't, I don't know a job posting that's like, if you work for us, we'll give you a piece of like whatever. It's just something you have to like, is it assumed? Is it like, what do you, what's your, um, Experience well, with stuff like a couple that. Of different, yeah, there's some different layers to it. So it probably wouldn't be part of the job posting, right? Right. <laughs> but part of the conversation and, and maybe even the offer letter says, you know, we're paying you a base salary of X for any new business that you bring in. 
they would be willing to give you a particular cut of that percentage of the revenue or the profits that you're bringing for that particular organization, right? Would that be a question you would ask? Yeah, I mean, you can offer, you know, especially the smaller companies because they don't really have, they don't have a sales or marketing department. They're really, depending on their internal uh, uh, consultants to help continue to keep the pipeline full, right? Um, So, you know, asking the question by all means would be, would be important to me. Um, and then also billable hours, right? So sometimes that says if you need to be 80% billable and you're able to land this additional project as an extension and increase your billable hours for the, for longevity for the year, right? There's going to be a premium or a bonus tied to that, right? For every billable hour over 80%, which you help generate because you're able to extend the contract. And so indirectly, it's not really a commission necessarily, but it is a, a kind of a bonus program that you're part of based on your billable hours over whatever threshold they have in place for you. Interesting. Chris, um, I love talking to you. This is good stuff. I mean, you know, we covered a lot of stuff to, I would say, put people at ease, right? If you're out there looking for a job, you know, you know, you can't do any more than what you've already done if you're in a scenario where you're like, I've been waiting four weeks. So some it's out of your hands so i think that would give people a little bit of a reason to calm down and take a breath um, yeah it's not just you as a candidate just you know yeah. just have to understand that the the marketplace today and what i've seen so far this year is just unstable it's unusual right so don't feel like it's you being identified as a the, the lone wolf out there as far as being stuck in a a deserted island where you're not getting callbacks, so you're not hearing back from anybody, and you're kind of in a in this this you know this zone of uncertainty. It's I can tell you from personal standings, it's it's happening across the board from what I'm seeing. As always, you know you can find Chris on LinkedIn. He's active on there. Where actually he is reading a book now uh, that I read by Jody. Um, the I love that book, by the way. So you're I mean, it's great. I mean, I got it in my desk yeah. right here. I'm gonna start. I'm taking, you know, highlighting different areas that I think are valuable and posting those to LinkedIn. Uh, she done. She's done a fabulous job on this, Jody. You know, she she's really had so many great talking points in here as far as highlighting things that should you should ask and just to be a better professional. This book is is definitely golden. To your point, uh, Frank, I recommend yeah. anybody just to to take a look at it. Yeah, I I used it the other day, like in real time on a call. Uh, I mean, it's that type of book. So uh, yeah. one last thing I noticed you need to do to that book is you need to get it coil bound. Makes it a lot easier. <laughs> yes, you're right. Yeah, right now my placeholder is my, this is my highlighter. <laughs> All right, Chris. Well, um, yeah, people can find it on LinkedIn and uh, I would love to have you back on the show. Like I said, our conversation is always good. I'll here to help people. Awesome. Thank you a lot, Frank. I appreciate the time today.